Hello, people of the way. If you have your Bible, please open up to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy 16, verse 1. Moses is saying to the children of Israel, he's saying in verse 1, Observe the month of Abib and keep the Passover to the Lord your God. For in the month of Abib, the Lord your God brought you out of Egypt by night. Very interesting wording here that we see here by night. Uh, remember what happened in Egypt, you see, plague upon plague upon plague upon plague. But meanwhile, there is light in Goshen where Israel is. And then you see the exodus, but you know, you see the, you know, uh, plague after plague, safety for Israel. You see exodus, and then you see judgment upon Egypt. Very interesting that we see here that happens by night, and dare I say it, like a thief. Turn with me really quick to Exodus chapter 12. Exodus chapter 12, we see this in verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. I love this so much. Picture you and me in bondage. We are slaves. We've been slaves for decades. And it's uh, June, July. Now we figure that, you know, it's going to be August, except it's June, July. Now we're free. We become free. And we figure, okay, June, July, August. But the Lord says, no, it's not June, July, August. It's June, July, January. You see, June, July, January. It's a fresh start for you. And that's what he's saying to Israel. Newness. Newness. And in walking in the newness, once the exodus happens, how many times do you see the murmuring and complaining happen in the wilderness? Oh, we had it good in Egypt. We had it good. We had the garlic, the leeks, the fish. We had it so good we could eat. We had all this awesome stuff. Don't forget you guys were in bondage. The same thing applies to you and me in Christ. It's like, you know, we're walking in the newness of Christ. And then we reflect back on the sin. and Wow, that was so good. I had it so good with the sex, the drugs, the rock and roll, the alcohol, the partying. I had it so good. No. That's not walking in the newness of Christ. That's not a dead guy. That's not a dead gal. Remember when, you know, when, when Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Very, very beautiful. I am crucified with Christ. But can every Christian say that? Can every believer say that? I am crucified with Christ? No. It's not to say that that verse is not for every believer. Optimally, we want it to be. But is it? No. Because to be crucified with Christ means that you're dead. Remember, crucified with Christ. You see? And then you die. And then you 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 rise you raise up in the newness of life which is in Christ. Remember, the water baptism is symbolic of death. You go down, you go down in the water, that's like your gravesite. Put a tombstone right there in the water. Here lies Joe, here lies Jane, here lies whatever your name is. That's the water baptism. You come up, born again, brand new believer, new creation. June, July, not August, June, July, January, fresh start. And then we walk on our way to the promised land. We journey on our way to the promised land. 
Do we look back to the former? No, we look forward to the future. You see? Paradise with Christ. And it's so powerful when we see this in verse 2. It's one little verse and it's so it has deep implications for you and me. This month, this is chapter 12, Exodus. This month shall be the beginning of months. It shall be the, the, the first month of the year to you. But then at the same time, he says this in verse 3. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him eat. Let, let him and his neighbor next to his house take it according to the number of the persons. Translates as souls in the Hebrew. According to each man's need, you shall make your your count. You, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the fourteenth day of the same month. Then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. You notice what we see happening here: a lamb without blemish, male, killed. Does that ring a bell? Spiritually speaking, and literally speaking, these statutes point to Christ. Now, this is pre-law. This is pre-Ten Commandments. But it all points to Christ. In verse 7, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Now, spiritually, physically, literally, Jesus Christ, lamb without blemish, male, killed before the congregation of Israel. Don't forget Romans as well. But who is the soul that takes his blood and puts it on the doorpost of their heart. Who? Those are Christians. Those are the believers. Those are a people of the way, a very special, peculiar people. But to take the blood of the Lamb and put it on the doorpost of your heart. Remember, these things that are written of old are a shadow of the things to come. I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape, or form by, you know, by, uh, 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 we study these statutes, we study even the law, we study the Torah in no way, shape, or form am I advocating the law, but understand that the law is still holy. Remember our study through Galatians? But it points to a greater glory, which is its fulfillment and the fulfillment of the promise, which is Jesus Christ. And Moses is telling this next generation, he's saying, don't forget, you guys. He's saying, observe these things. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 16, where in verse 1, he says, keep the Passover. It's to the Lord your God, he says. But then in verse 2, he says, therefore, you shall sacrifice. And this is Deuteronomy 16, verse 2. Therefore, you shall sacrifice the Passover to the Lord your God from the flock and and the herd, and in the place where the Lord chooses to put his name. Very interesting. 
Very interesting. This is something that's to be, to, to be observed from generation to generation to generation to generation. Don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Now, it's so powerful that we see in, uh, 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 you know, we've studied this a couple weeks ago, but when you look at uh, uh, Isaiah chapter 1, and I'm just going to read from Isaiah 1 really quick. And in Isaiah 1, Verse 10, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. Now, physically, literally, you know, the argument to Isaiah could be, well, wait a second, Isaiah, what are you talking about? Because Sodom and Gomorrah, that's old school. That was already destroyed. You see, but with ears to hear. I wonder those in earshot of Isaiah you know, did he say Sodom and Gomorrah? That's history. That That's in the history books. That's like old school. But what is he really talking about? The wickedness of Sodom and Gomorrah. The state of the heart of Sodom and Gomorrah. And Isaiah is referring to us as that? Oh my goodness. You know, and then we fall to our face and repent. Because the Lord says in verse 11, what's the, to what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I have had enough. I don't delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs or goats, you see. What does it take for the Lord to even say these, to, to, to say to Isaiah, Isaiah, say this to the people. The people have forgotten the Lord. Now, before you say, well, how dare Israel do that? We do it. We do it. It happens. Look at the state of the church today. The church has forgotten the Lord. You see? You say, well, that's a heavy indictment. How dare you say that? Well, it is written, judgment comes first to the church. What do you think the state of the church is going to look like? In order for that to happen, what do you think the state of the church is going to look like? You see? All these things are written. Everything shall come to pass. The entirety of prophecy will be fulfilled. And so we see this in Deuteronomy. Let's go back to Deuteronomy 16 now. Moses in his exhortation, don't forget, don't forget, you guys. Do these things. Observe the Passover but in the course of time, we're going to see that the people forget. In the course of time, what happens in the church? We forget. You see? Israel forgot, and the focus goes to the Gentiles to provoke the Jews to jealousy. That's what's written. You know, listen to our study through Romans 11, you'll understand. But then what happens when the church forgets? And the focus goes back to Israel. You see? Every jot, every tale will be fulfilled. And yet we see this in chapter 16, verse 3. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. No le Remember, leaven is symbolic of sin. It's a yeast, like yeast. The Pope very recently said, you know, we are called to be the yeast. We are called to be yeast. Maybe he's called to be yeast. I'm not. You're not. Christians are not. He wants to say that he's called to be yeast. That's him. That's between him and the Lord. 
You see? What does Paul say to the, to the church in Corinth? Your leaven, your, your, your rejoicing isn't good because there's leaven in the bunch. The Pope says we're called to be yeast. The Bible says don't be yeast. What are you going to choose? Remember, there's a million Christs. A million Christs. But there's only one that saves. There's only one that you and me can abide in. There are a million Christs propagated by a million false teachers, false prophets, servants of Satan. A million. How will you know which is? They all look the same. They all dress the same. They all know the Bible. Some of them more than others. How will you know? What does the Bible say? My word is above my name. Whoa. Whoa. My word is above my name. That's how you'll know. You have to be a Berean. Because, you know, somebody says, oh, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. False Christ. Oh, go ahead and, you know, let's call the Holy Spirit glitter. Let, it let the glitter fall from the rafters and worship the glitter. False Christ. Oh, let's go lay on the graves and soak in the Holy Spirit. False Christ. Oh, God is done with Israel. He replaced Israel with the church. False Christ. You see? Oh, God wants us to be all, you know, wealthy and all these things. And false Christ. You see? My word is above my name, he says. The real Christ, Genesis to Revelation, everything will align perfectly. The formula must be right. You see? And for the Pope, the so-called vicar of Christ, who I say vicar of Antichrist, he says we're called to be yeast. Maybe that's his calling. Not my calling. Not your calling. We're not called to be leaven. Remember Corinth, Paul says, you know, Christians, everybody, the church, the gathering of the saints, you figure, wow, this is a beautiful thing. Look, they're having church and everything. The saints are gathering. It's beautiful. And if you and me were to go on a mountaintop, you and me are at the peak of the mountain. And we have these special binoculars, very, very special binoculars. On one side, we look at Philippi. We're about to get into the book of Philippi pretty soon, Lord willing, in his time. The book of Philippians. But on one, you know, on one side, we look at Philippi with our special binoculars. You see rejoicing, Christianese, praise the Lord, hallelujah, everything's beautiful. You're like, wow, this is so beautiful. And then I say to you, hey, turn your gaze over here to the left and look at Corinth. Not 2 Corinthians, you know, more of a, not, not the state of the first, 2 Corinthians, more a state of a 1 Corinthians chapter 3, babies. And I say, turn your gaze to the left and look at Corinth. And you see the exact same thing. The gathering of the saints, Christianese, praise the Lord, hallelujah. You're like, wow, this is beautiful. It looks exactly the same. You look at Philippi, you look at Corinth, exactly the same. And then I say, hey, you see that button on the binos? That little button on there? And you say, yeah. And I say, press it. 
and then you press it and it turns into like an infrared type. Then you see something entirely different. In one sense, with the previously, everything looked the same, Philippi and Corinth. But then you hit the button and you see different. In Corinth, it's not good. Why? Because of leaven. Because of sin. The carnal nature. There was the sex. There was the drugs. There was the alcohol. There was the extortion. Where Corinth entered the church instead of the church entering Corinth. Corinth came into the church. The influence of Corinth was coming into the church. A lot of sex, a lot of alcohol, a lot of extortion, all kinds of works of the flesh. And with carnal eyes, Philippi and Corinth look exactly the same. Except it wasn't the same. Corinth doesn't, Paul doesn't say to, inspired of the Spirit, he doesn't say to Philippi, your rejoicing isn't good. He doesn't say that. But he says it to Corinth. Because of the carnal nature, the flesh, uncorrected, untempered, you see, for three years, your rejoicing isn't good. There's leaven in the bunch in Corinth. So he says to the remnant, he says, okay, you who have not, or who are not workers of the flesh, he says, separate from them. Don't even eat with them. Separation from leaven. Separation from yeast, a type of sin. The Pope can say what he wants. We're called to be the yeast. You see, it's a fake Jesus. People call him the vicar of Christ. I call him vicar of Antichrist. Oh, go ahead and take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Fake Jesus. Lowercase j, lowercase c. There's only one who saves. And his word is above his name. Which means that his word is, that's how we know. You see? And so we see this in verse 3. You shall eat no leavened bread with it. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. Remember? So notice what we see. We see unleavened bread and we see the Passover lamb. In the fulfillment being Jesus Christ. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Remember, Jesus Christ says, I'm the bread of life. The people thought he was crazy. He says, he says we got to eat him and what is he, he want us to be cannibals. He was speaking spiritually to eat of the bread of life. You see? He says seven days in verse three, you seven days you shall eat unleavened bread with it. That is the bread of affliction for you came out of the land of Egypt in haste that you may remember, 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 remember. This is old Moses saying this to young Israel. Remember you guys. Remember the day in which you came out of the land of Egypt all the days of your life. Now, fast forward into the future, into Isaiah's day. Who remembered? Who remembered? Who had ears to hear? Remember Paul says, tell me you who desire to be under the law, do you not hear the law? Isaiah in a way is saying the exact same thing. You have to hear the law, lend ears to the law. You see? Now the majority, the vast majority forgot. 
But Isaiah didn't forget. Jeremiah didn't forget. Hosea didn't forget. You see? Hannah didn't forget. Esther didn't forget. So beautiful. In verse 4. And no leaven shall be seen among you in all your territory for seven days, nor shall any of nor shall any of the meat which you sacrifice the first day at twilight remain overnight until morning. You may not sacrifice the Passover within any of your gates which the Lord your God gives you. Remember, Jesus carried his cross to the outside. And don't forget, even he had a helper with this cross. A very strong message for you and me. Yes, we carry our cross. But you also help me and I also help you carry my cross. You carry your cross. I help you carry your cross. You help me carry my cross. And that's koinonia. That's the ecclesia. Saints. In verse 5, you know, don't sacrifice within any of your gates. The sacrifice must be on the outside. And Jesus carried his cross to the outside. In verse 6, But at the place where the Lord your God, God chooses to make his name abide. Major, major prophetic implications here. The first coming of Christ and the second coming. Major, major. Now, depending on how far we get into the events of the last days in a literal sense, these are studies that we're going to return to, Lord willing, because there's major prophetic implications to what is written here in the law. There he says in verse 6, You shall sacrifice the Passover at twilight, at the going down of the sun, at the time you came out of Egypt. Now, this sometimes, you know, there's uh, uh, people say, well, you know, there's a timing discrepancy. You say this is all fulfilled in Jesus Christ, but there's a timing discrepancy because it says that at the going down of the sun, a lot of mockers of these last days. Oh, you see, there's a discrepancy in the Bible. There's a, you know, it's fake. You know, there's, you know, there's, it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't line up pro uh, properly. It says the going down of the sun. But wait a second. Don't forget Dr. Luke. Don't forget Dr. Luke. Because in chapter three, it is revealed that the sun was darkened. And these are things that will happen again, that will happen again. The sun will be darkened yet again. In verse 7, And you shall roast and eat it in the place which the Lord your God chooses. Now, this is very, spiritually speaking, this is a pending matter. Pending matter. Just like, you know, when we looked at Exodus chapter 12, you know, uh, uh, who who is the soul that takes the blood of the lamb and puts it on the doorpost of their heart? In a literal sense, in the Passover, you know, you take the blood of the lamb and you put it on the doorpost of your home. But who is the soul that does that spiritually inside their heart? You see? And it's so powerful because what we see is through the law, through Deuteronomy, we're starting to see these beautiful building blocks, if you will. This path that is leading up to the law's fulfillment, which is Jesus Christ. 
That's why the, the Pharisees, you know, oh yeah, we, we follow Moses. We're hardcore. We follow Moses. And Jesus Christ, is, it's impossible. Because Moses wrote about me. You see? It's very important for us to understand these things. He says in verse 7, And in the morning you shall turn and go to your tents. Six days, in verse 8, you shall eat unleavened bread. And on the seventh day there shall be a sacred assembly to the Lord your God. You shall do no work on it. You shall count seven weeks for yourself. Now, there are certain events you know, the, the first coming of Christ, his death, his resurrection, and his coming again. There are certain events which are in accordance to very, very, very specific timelines. For example, Pentecost, Feast of Weeks, the Ascension of Christ, the Descending of the Holy Spirit. And these are studies that we're going to, you know, it, the 70th week, we're at the very cusp of the 70th week beginning. This uh, the, the Abraham Accords, what we see in the, I mean, you could read the newspapers today and it's almost like you're reading Bible prophecy. This Abraham Accords, everybody's saying, okay, you know, join the Abraham Accords. Let's enhance the Abraham Accords. More nations joining the Abraham Accords. And at the same time, there's Bible prophecy that refers to a covenant with many, Daniel, Daniel the prophet, a covenant with many. At the very cusp of the beginning of the 70th week of Daniel. And so when I mentioned that, you know, these are, these are uh, passages that, you know, if we're, uh, you know, five, maybe even four, four years into the 70th week, these are passages that we're going to look at and refer to, to understand it, to, to help navigate and understand the times. Because remember, just like in Egypt, Plague after plague after plague after plague after plague. But there was light in Goshen. And we are a people of light. But the formula must be right. Not in accordance to the fake Christs. But in accordance to the real. Where his word is above his name. We have to know the word of God. You must. We must be Bereans. You see. The formula must be right. And so we see here, you shall count, in verse 9, you shall count seven weeks for yourself. Begin to count the, the, the seven weeks from the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Very interesting. Working in the field. Working in the field. So remember our study through the book of Acts? And you see the, 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 the death of Jesus Christ at the, the, the end of the Gospels. The, the, the death of Jesus Christ, his um, uh, uh, coming out of the tomb, and then he, he, with the disciples. And then you see something happen at Pentecost. Well, you see the, the ascension of Christ, the descending of the Spirit. But then you see the correlation to Pentecost and the tongues of fire, Acts chapter 2. Very specific timing. And then from Acts chapter 2, what do you see? Like it is written in verse, in verse 9. From the time you begin to put the sickle to the grain. Working in the field. The disciples become apostles. Working in the field. You see? It's so powerful when we understand what has happened. What has happened. What is happening. 
And even in this day and age, what the Lord is doing, but we need eyes to see and ears to hear. In verse 10, then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. You see, freely, freely having received, freely give. God blesses, bless him back. Honor him, glorify him. Old Testament, New Testament, glorify him, honor him. In verse 11, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place where the Lord your God chooses to put his to, to make his name abide. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful verse. Rejoicing in the camp. But I have to say something. It's not just put on a happy face. Put on a happy face because that's the godly thing to do. No, it's you have a happy face because you have a happy soul. It's called the joy of the Lord. You see, it's very common for people to put on a happy face. They're very depressed and they turn to the bottle. They drink their whiskey. They do their, you know, uh, they mix their drinks. Oh, take the little edge off. You know, I'm feeling a little sad, so I'm going to take the edge off and, you know, get drunk every night and, you know, get high, get baked every night. And then I'm going to go to church on Sunday and have a nice smile on my face. It doesn't work that way. It's very common. Because the Bible says that, you know, there's the joy of the Lord. And as Christians, we have the joy of the Lord. But does everybody have the joy of the Lord? Do, do, all, do 100% of Christians have the joy of the Lord? The answer is no. But remember, the formula must be right. Because the real Jesus, there's joy in him. You know, remember, joy is a, ble a, a blessing of the Lord. There's healing in the real Jesus. There's healing from the real Jesus. Joy from the real Jesus. But the fake Jesus, the fake Christs, which are many, vast, millions, propagated by false teachers, false prophets, and in many cases, most cases, servants of Satan. Presenting themselves as ministers of righteousness. Remember our study through 2 Corinthians? Galatians 2? Not Galatians 2, but I meant Galatians also. Remember? You see how, remember when Paul says to Corinth, you might well put up with it. These people are going to come in and you might well put up with it. They come in and they teach a different gospel, a different Jesus, a different, a different spirit. And you might well put up with it. Oh, we're called to be loving. Let's just put up with it. We're called to be gracious. So let's just put up with the false teacher. So what if he says we can take the mark of the beast and still be saved? Let's put up with them. Look, he has such a beautiful study Bible and he writes all these books. And wow, let's just put up with the grave soakers and people who want to lay on the graves to soak in the holy. Let's just put up with it. The people who have their coalitions who say God is done with Israel. They have their coalitions. Let's just put up with it. In fact, Let's have their study material. Let's give it to our kids and all. Foolishness. Foolishness. And what do you see rising in these fellowships? What do you see on the rise in these fellowships? Number one, the carnal nature. Number two, no victory. How can there be victory? The formula must be right. 
the formula must be right. Because the real Jesus, he heals. And I tell you this from experience. It's not just like, well, I read this book and now I'm going to tell you because it sounds good to me. I'm telling you from experience. The real Jesus heals. The real Jesus gives joy. So many times people, they, they're so depressed, suicidal even. And they go to church on Sunday. They put on a nice smile because, oh, the Bible says that we're supposed to be joy, joyful. And you can fake it with people, but you can never fake it with the Lord. And it's not in a judging sense like, you know, like, oh, you know, you don't have the joy of the Lord. You're going to burn in hell. No, you don't have the joy of the Lord. Get the joy of the Lord. Get the joy of the Lord. Well, how does that happen? The fake Jesus will never do that. The fake Jesus, the fake Christs, which are vast, millions, the fake Christ want you to be depressed. The fake Christ want you to drown your worries in the bottle. The fake Christ want you to put a bullet to your head. The fake Christ want you to jump off a bridge. They want you to get banked. They want you to find joy in sex and drugs. and The fake Christ desire that. Why? Because they're satanic. And Satan wants to kill you. He presents himself as an angel of light. But the real Christ, he loves you. He wants to give you the fullness of joy. He wants to give you healing. Come to him. So many times people say, oh, I got to be loyal to my church. I got to be loyal to my church. What? Where do we get that? You know, there's the oldie song, you know, be true to your school. I got to be true to my church. I got to be true to my... Why? Be true to Christ. Be faithful to Christ. Oh, but I am, I am, I am. And my pastor says I can take the mark of the beast and still be saved. That's a false Christ. Look, my pastor says that, uh, you know, I can go lay on the graves and soak in the Holy Spirit. Listen, the real Jesus and his real Holy Spirit ain't found in graves, my friend. You see, the formula must be right. That's what is so beautiful. Now, this is the straight up law, the Torah. In verse 11, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. You know, it's in the law like you shall rejoice, you know. You, you know, look at you shall, you shall not, you shall, and you shall not, you shall, and you. And here you have in verse 11, you shall rejoice before the Lord your God. It's not like, you know, God doesn't make robots. God doesn't make robots. So how is it written that you shall rejoice before the Lord your God if God doesn't make robots? I'm not a Calvinist. I'm not Reformed theory. I'm a Christian. Remember the example we gave in Balak? A type of Satan who wants to defeat Israel and he can't, so he finds out how he's going to do it and it's revealed through the counsel of Balaam how he does it. And so instead of sending the warriors down, he sends the women down. Picture you and me in the camp. And all these women are coming down sent by Balak. 
we don't know. I mean, unbeknownst to us, you know, what the objectives are, what the motives are. But all these women are coming down and you and me, we're so, de- we're, we're not depressed, but we're like crying, like sad and not depressed. Like we're going to like kill ourselves, but sad. Like, oh my goodness, what's happening? People are having sex like crazy. They go into their tents, you know, the sounds and all these. It's like, you know, we're like, we're so grossed out. We're like, what is happening? Why are you guys doing this? Don't do this. Don't do this. Don't do this. A week later, you know, the ladies are saying, hey, guys, let's worship Baal. And the guys like fools. Okay. Okay. Yeah, you know, I like this. I like that. And, you know, I like how you did this. I like how you did that. So now you say the Baal. Okay, I'll worship Baal. And you and me were sobbing. No, you guys, what are you doing? You see? And in the course of time, what happens? God judged it. God judges them. Remember, God re- is reactionary. God responds to obedience. He responds to disobedience. And now they're judged. Now they're dead. You and me are alive. We learn the, to fear the Lord, reverence for the Lord, but we learn to trust Him. And in trusting Him, we learn to love Him. And in loving Him, we, we have this hope, which gives room for hope, which is Christ. But at the same time, as we fall in love with the Lord, how can we not have joy? How can we not have joy? And this is the law. I'm not advocating the law. But do you see the building blocks that the law allows in a heart with ears that can hear, eyes that can see? This is why Jesus Christ says to the Pharisees, How can you guys believe in me when you say you believe Moses, but Moses wrote about me? Jesus says that. Moses wrote about me. Now, a people of the way, in accordance to the new covenant, we can see these things. Now you see in verse 11, you shall rejoice in having experience I mean I'm giving this example of you know what we experienced through Balak in in the example I gave we learned to fear the Lord because you know those people were judged now they're dead you see and there's the rejoicing not that they're dead but that you and me were alive why are we alive? Was it anything of our, you know, is it because we're awesome? No, we, we chose obedience. Look at the camp. When the ladies of Balak came down, look at the people who chose disobedience and look at the people who chose obedience. In the multitude, disobedience. But to a smaller remnant, obedience. Now look who's dead and look who's alive. You see, the obedient. And say, you and me, we're in that camp of the obedient. We have reverence for the Lord, fearing Him, but we're also falling deeper and deeper and deeper in love with Him because we're trust in Him. You see? And we're blessed of the Lord. See, the Lord responds to obedience and He responds to disobedience. And in responding to obedience, there's blessings. Old Testament and New Testament. One of them, not just joy, 
the fullness of joy. But the formula must be right, my beautiful friend. The formula must be right. Because the fake Christs, they want you to be depressed. Because it's one step towards jumping off a bridge. One step towards, you know, putting the barrel in your mouth. The fake Christ desire that. Why? Because Satan was a murderer from the beginning. He wants you dead. But the real Christ, in accordance to the real formula, whose word is above his name. You see? So in the multitude of all these Christs, the fake ones say, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. The fake ones say, go grave soaking. The fake ones say, God is done with Israel. But there's only one that not only saves, but there's the richness of blessings. There's the uh, fullness of joy. But above him will be his word. Genesis to Revelation. The formula must be right. And if that's you, if you're in a state of depression, which is rampant, it's like wildfire in the church, don't fake it. Faking it only complicates matters. Let's be honest with one another. Come and let us reason together. You have to jump ship. There's healing in the real Christ. And if you're in a fellowship, if you surrender to a false teacher, if you're obedient to a false teacher, listen, the formula must be right. In the teacher, in the pastor, what is taught, you know, what his life looks like, you say, well, my, my pastor's female. Wrong formula. You're depressed, you're still going to be depressed. Wrong formula. Oh, okay, my pastor's male, but he's on his fifth marriage. Wrong formula. You see? Oh, he's on his, he's uh, divorced and his wife didn't die. And he says, you know, he has his study Bible and he studies the study Bible from this other guy. And they all say you can take the mark of the beast and still be saved. Wrong formula. And I say to you, come out of her, my people, because the real Jesus, he heals. His spirit can only be found in the real Jesus. Outside of that, you will not find the real spirit. You'll find another spirit, but not the real. It's very dangerous. And so we see this. I, I'm just going to read verse 11. I love verse 11 so much. You shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant and your female servant, the Levite who is within your gates, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are among you at the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. I love this so much. Where is it that the Lord makes his name abide? Where? I wonder in whose tents those who 
have this, I don't like to say reciprocal, but I, I don't know other, like this reciprocal love. I mean, how, how, how you take a husband and wife. To say a hus- there's reciprocal love in that relationship. The husband loves the wife. The wife loves the husband. That sounds stupid. I mean, you understand that, you know, they love each other. But it's much deeper. You see, that's why I don't like saying reciprocal. I, don't, I just don't know have a, another word for it. I don't know. It's much deeper than that. I wonder whose tents love the Lord. And the Lord sees it. And not everybody, you know, that's what's so crazy. Like when we get into the future studies through the Old Testament, we're going to see some terrible, terrible things, dreadful things, and it's going to be sad. But then don't forget, there's Hannah, Isaiah, Ruth, Esther, Amos, Zephaniah, all these beautiful people who are so rendered to the Lord. We see here in verse 12, and you shall remember, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. You shall observe the Feast of Tabernacles seven days when you have gathered from your threshing floor and from your wine press. Very interesting. Again, we see major prophetic implications here. Turn with me really quick to Revelation 14. Revelation 14. And in Revelation 14, verse 14, Revelation 14, 14, we see this. Then I looked and behold, a white cloud and on the cloud sat one like the son of man, having his, having his head, having on his head a golden crown and in his hand a sharp sickle. Very interesting. Considering the wording we just read from Deuteronomy. And another angel came out of the temple, crying with a loud voice to him who sat on the cloud, thrust your sickle, thrust in your sickle and reap, for the time has come for you to reap, for the harvest of the earth is ripe. So he who sat on the cloud thrust in his sickle on the earth, and the earth was reaped. Then another angel, notice the wording here, the earth was reaped. Now, if you listen to our study through the uh, uh, two studies, one study is called um, um, Jacob's Trouble, biblically explained. And then the other study is called When is the Rapture? Make sure you listen to those two studies. You'll understand. You'll understand. The rapture is not pre-tribulational. Now, I know that comes as like, you know, that's like, whoa, because it's very common in fellowships to teach pre-tribulation rapture, pre-tribulation rapture, but you won't find that in the Bible. Listen to our study, Jacob's Trouble, and then also, when is the rapture? You'll understand because we look at these very verses among many others. In verse 17, then another angel came out of the temple, which is in heaven. He also notice another angel and he also having a sharp sickle and another angel came out from the altar who had power over fire and he cried with a loud cry to him who had the sharp sickle saying thrust in your sharp sickle and gather the clusters of the vine of the earth for 
her grapes are fully ripe. Very interesting that we see her grapes. Her grapes. I wonder if this is yeast-like, I'll say, <laughs> to those who have ears. Verse 19, so the angel thrust in his sickle into the earth and gathered the vine of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of the wrath of God. And the winepress was trampled outside the city and blood came out of the winepress up to the horse's bridles for 1,600 furlongs or stadia. You know what this equates to? 184 miles, 184 miles. Now, when you look at the prophecies of that are found in several other passages, but the prophecies in, in Ezekiel 39 and Zechariah, you see the Valley of Megiddo to the Kidron Valley to Eden to Jerusalem. And you know what that distance, that span of, 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 of distance equals? 184 miles. You see? Or 1,600 furlongs. Or stadia. Every jot, every tittle will be fulfilled. Everything in accordance to the word of God. Very powerful. We see the, we're in Deuteronomy, but when we say prophetic implications for his first coming, but then also for his second coming, events of the last days, that's why, you know, depending on the time frame, maybe it could be in five years from now. It could be six years from now. You know, it, the Lord could tarry. But in a very real sense, it could be in, in six years when we're in the 70th week of Daniel. We could be studying these Old Testament passages to help us understand certain events in, in accordance to certain timeline. Very specific you know, there, you know, people have this misunderstanding about the, you know, gaps of time in the uh, three and a half years. Well, there's, there's a gap of time that can be biblically explained in accordance to these things written in the law, these statutes written in the law, I'm not advocating the law in any way, shape or form. But every jot, every tittle will be fulfilled. You see, pray for this broadcast too. pray, pray for the podcast. Because we've already, some of our service providers have already contacted me. I've had to give answers like, look, we just study the Bible. That's it. Nothing fancy. You see, uh, Bible teachers are being shut down because, you know, it's being labeled as hate speech. The world calls what we teach here, the world calls it hate speech. I understand it. I don't like it. I understand it. And it's going to get worse. And pray that we can teach during the entirety of the 70th until, until we're, we're called home. Paradise. But until then, you must be Bereans. We must be Bereans. We must store our oil. We must learn to make bread. Studying the word of God. Being Bereans. Because remember, that's how we'll know the real Christ. There's going to be millions of fake Christs. You see? And these millions of fake Christs, they want to kill you. Satan presents himself as an angel of light. 
You see depression in the church, the rise of depression in the church. Well, fake Christ doesn't give the fullness of joy. You see, and you see a lot of people who believe in Jesus Christ, but they have the wrong pastor. They have the wrong teacher. You see, that's why Paul says you might well put up with it. What are we doing today? We're putting up with it. Very dangerous. Very dangerous times. Perilous times. The Bible says perilous times for a reason. Because it's going to be times of peril. Let's go back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. In verse 14. In verse 14 we see this. And you shall rejoice in your feasts. You see? This is so powerful because this is... A shadow of the things to come. Like verse 14, you shall rejoice in your feast. Well, prophetically speaking, do you not remember the wedding feast? The wedding supper? You shall rejoice in your feast. It's written here in the Torah. You see? That's why, you know, the the, 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 the Sadducees, the Sadducees who who rejected the notion of uh, of, 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 of uh, 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 the resurrection. That's why it was easier for a Pharisee to become a Christian than it was for a Sadducee to become a Christian because at least this, the Pharisee was open to the notion of resurrection. But the Sadducee was closed off to that. And that's why you see more uh, Pharisees Christians than you do Sadducees Christians. Now, it's very beautiful for a Pharisee to become a Christian, but the problem comes, the Pharisee must reckon that old concept dead. Because a big problem happened. Remember the original Hebrew Roots movement that we studied in, in Galatians, when we were studying Galatians, and you see these Pharisees in, in the book of Acts who took it upon themselves. They started to compel Christians to be circumcised and to uh, 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 observe the law of Moses. Pharisees who believed in Jesus Christ, but they didn't deny their former teachings. You see? They didn't, you know, as you hear us say from time to time, come out of her, my people. Well, they didn't come out of her. They believed in Jesus Christ, but they still held on to the old don't do that. Learn from their example of what not to do. I mean, you have a pattern like Paul, but then you also have another pattern like these Pharisees who believed in Jesus Christ, but they didn't want to let go. You got, you know, choose your pattern, pick your pattern. I choose Paul. I want you to choose Paul. You see? And James and Peter. And John, you see, Priscilla, Aquila, Lydia, beautiful Lydia, I can't wait to meet her. Chloe, I can't wait to meet Chloe. <laughs> you see, all these things, verse 14, you shall rejoice in your feast. Don't forget there's going to be a wedding feast. How can there be a wedding feast? Well, there has to be a resurrection. You see, and so the Pharisees, because of they, they weren't closed off to the notion, the concept of resurrection. 
because they weren't closed off, they were more receptive to deeper things. And some believed in Jesus Christ. Not all, but some believed in Jesus Christ. Sadducees, different story. It's not to say that they can't. But a heart needs to be surrendered to Jesus Christ. In verse 14, you shall rejoice in your feast, you and your son and your daughter and your male servant and your female servant and the Levite, the stranger and the fatherless and the widow who are within your gates. And notice, within the gates. This is inside the camp. You see? So beautiful. So beautiful. The entirety of a home. Now, for my beautiful sisters in Christ, you might be looking at verse 11 and verse 14 like, where's the wife? Where's the wife? You start to see this example in the law of oneness. Oneness. A husband cleave to his wife. You see? I mean, like in, in like legal documents. Legal documents, it might have the husband's name, but the wife, from a legal perspective, is automatically included. I love that so much because you see this hardcore cleaving one to the other, the two becoming one. And so we see this in verse 15. Seven days you shall keep a sacred feast to the Lord your God in the place which the Lord chooses. Because the Lord God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you shall surely rejoice. Now, does that... Look Look at verse 15. This this. Look at verse 15 here. The, the, the middle part. Well, I mean, from the middle to the end. In verse 15. The Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you surely rejoice you see now we're gonna see in future studies you're gonna see well the lord doesn't bless them you're gonna see that they're not blessed in their produce you're not you're gonna see that they're not blessed in 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 the work of their hands and you're gonna see that they're not rejoicing now let me ask you a question does this mean that i don't oh i hate to say this Does that mean that God is a liar? You see? And that's what Satan does. That's what Satan does. He looks at these... Remember, he knows the Bible more than anybody. He knows the Bible. It is written here in verse 15, The Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you shall surely rejoice. Now, Every single one of us can look at that and be like, whoa, this is beautiful. I want to be blessed in all of my my produce, all the work of my hands, and I want to rejoice, and I want to have this fullness. Yes, I want this. Friend calls you, hey, let's go to the strip. Let's go see the strippers tonight. Okay, let's go. You say, oh, a friend calls, oh, I got the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. Okay, come over. Let's, let's, Let's do it. Let's cook our spoons. It doesn't work that way. The formula must be right. And so what Satan does. Remember the example we gave through our study through Galatians about baby girl? Baby girl needs to be safe in the house. And baby girl needs to be safe in the house except something. I think we mentioned it in Ephesians 2. Not Ephesians 2, but in Ephesians also. But, you know, baby girl's got to be nice and safe in the house. Now, 
You're a parent. And you leave, baby girl. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go prepare a place for you, baby girl. Now you leave. Baby girl's home. And she's gonna be nice and safe. She knows. You, you tell her, baby girl, just do exactly like I told you and everything's gonna be fine. And then you come back to get baby girl. And baby girl's gone. Did you lose her? No, you did not lose her. Baby girl left, straight up left. So many times people say, well, you know, Jesus Christ won't lose us. Absolutely true. He will not. I'm not trying to say that he will. Absolutely true. He will not lose those who are his. He will not. But there's still a little little caveat to that. Don't walk away. You tell baby girl, hey, baby girl, stay right here. Do exactly what I told you, like I taught you, and everything's going to be fine, and I'm going to come back. I'm going to go prepare a place for you, and I'm going to be back, baby girl. Baby girl says, okay. And you go. Now, somebody's going to come a-knocking. Hey, baby girl. You know? I know he's not here anymore. Hey, baby girl, check this out. Baby girl, let's do this. Hey, baby girl, look how fun this is. Baby girl walks away. She heeds that voice. Baby girl walks away. You come back, baby girl's gone. You did not lose her. She walked away. You see? A lot of times people say, oh, Jesus doesn't lose any of us, so I'm, I'm eternally secure. Jesus doesn't lose us. It's absolutely true. Jesus will not lose us, those who are his. Jesus will not. But don't forget, there's still the wicked seduction. Don't heed that call. Don't heed that voice in However, it presents itself. A lot of sex, a lot of drugs, a lot of alcohol. Those are the three biggies to the younger generation. I say, you know, for all generations, but especially to the younger generation. Remember that. Sex, drugs, and alcohol. Those are like giants. Don't tangle with the giants. Stay away from the drugs, stay away from the sex, stay away from... I mean, when you get married, you know, the sex is okay. But the drugs, the alcohol, the sex, stay away from it. Because it's, it's, it's spreading like wildfire. The world is the world, but it's spreading like wildfire, wildfire in the church. Pornography, stay away from it. Drugs, stay away from it. Oh, it's marijuana, it's legal now. Oh, look, my parents do it. You know, they do their, they have their, their oil. They, they have their different, you know, their oils and, you know, oh, it's natural and it's all, it's healthy now. And it, oh, look, it, it, that's the parents, you know, the, the, the parents are going to have to answer the Lord. I'm speaking to the younger generation. Don't mess with that stuff. You know, ayahuasca grow. Oh, it's natural. So is ayahuasca. Oh, it's natural. So is poppy. Oh, it's natural. You see? So is coca. You see? Is it good? Oh, it's natural. Look, it's from the earth. You know, God made it. It's beautiful. You see? 
So, so, so are mushrooms. We're called to be gracious. We're called to be merciful. We're called to be loving. But the Lord never calls anybody to be stupid. Except the Pope. The Pope says that you know he's called to be uh, leaven. He's called to be yeast. But the Pope, uh, vicar of Antichrist. Not the real Christ. A fake Christ. That will not save. If you're Catholic, come out of her, my people. Leave. Jump ship. Follow me as I follow Christ. The real Christ. The real Jesus. There is healing in him. To the younger generation, stay away from the sex. Stay away from the drugs. Stay away from the alcohol. I could say stay away from all kinds of things. But those are the three biggies. Sex, drugs, and alcohol. And everybody's doing it. And so, in the example, you know, you come back, baby girl's gone. You didn't lose her. She left. Now, when baby girl is in that state of outside the house where it is no longer safe for her, now what these tricksters do is they'll tell baby girl, they'll refer to what you told baby girl. Hey, baby girl. Remember how you were, you were told that you will be blessed? Remember how you, will to, you were told that you, were surely, you will surely rejoice? Baby girl says, yeah. And then she's told, well, look at your state now. Baby girl was seduced by, I'll say, the sex. Baby girl was seduced by the sex. The one who came knocking, a cute guy. Baby girl was seduced by the sex. And she thinks everything's fine. She's seduced by the sex, and now she feels like dirt. Now she feels like dirt because she was disobedient to the instructions that you gave her. And now the cute guy that came and knocking. Now the cute guy is done with her. Now there's another cute guy that comes and knocking. Actually, doesn't even have to come and knocking because baby girl's not in the house anymore. But there's another, I'm doing my air quotes, cute guy. Seduction through sex. He's done with her. She feels like dirt. Guy number three comes along. Seduction through drugs now. Baby girls, she feels like dirt. She wants joy, but she cannot have joy. So she figures, well, maybe I get joy through, you know, cooking spoons. She meets guy number three. They cook spoons together. They do their sex. They cook their spoons together. Now she feels like even more dirt. Guy number three is done with her. Guy number four comes on the scene. And says, hey, baby girl. Weren't you told that you, you, you would be blessed? Weren't you told that you would surely rejoice? And baby girl remembers. Yes, I was told that. Hmm. That was a lie. You see? Baby girl feels like dirt. And guy number four, 
starts to say to her that what you told her where it would be safe for her to be nice and safe in the house and you go to prepare a place for her. Except she was seduced and walked away. And she walked away and her distance became further and further and further and further away from the house where it is safe. And now guy number four is saying, hey, what you were told in that house, it was a lie. Because look, you're not rejoicing. Look, you're depressed. See? You call that? That's not blessing. But look. Look what I have to offer you. I'll give you this. I'll give you the finest crack from Chiapas, Mexico. I'll give you all the sex you want. You'll feel real good. You see? And now all of a sudden, baby girl finds what she thinks joy in that. And now baby girl hates you. Because she believed the lie. You see? And that's what Satan does. Look at this verse, how beautiful this verse is. The Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all the work of your hands so that you will, you surely, so that you surely rejoice. Now you read that like, wow, this is beautiful. But don't forget the formula must be right because there's a lot of people who are baby girl, but not in the house. They're baby girl with guy number one, guy number two, guy number 50, guy number 100. In whatever shape, way, shape, or form, sex, drugs, the occult, alcohol, different things. And they hear stuff like a, a passage from scripture and they mock. That's a lie. Look, I feel like dirt. Look, I, I, I find my joy in, in crack because that's the only source of joy I have. You see? And so Satan says, you see, God is a liar. Seduction. But the formula must be right. There is healing in the real Christ. There is the not just joy, the fullness of joy in the real Christ. There is blessings from the real Christ. But it must be real. The formula must be right. Genesis to Revelation. His word is above his name. The fake Christ is all those peddlers that come knocking. Hey, baby girl, check this out. Hey, baby girl, let's go do this. We'll have a load of fun. You see? You come back, baby girl's gone. You did not lose her. She walked away. And now she hates you because she believed the lie. And you suffer for a long time, not willing that she should perish because you know that she's going to perish. The path that she's on is the way of death. And you're suffering in your heart because you don't want that for her. You see? And that's the heart of God. Long suffering, not willing that any should perish. Meanwhile, Satan uses his tricksters. Satan seduces And so what do you do? You take guards. 
You say, baby girl, listen to everything, everything I told you. And it'll be safe for you in this house. I'm going to go prepare a place for you. And then you leave. Go to prepare a place for baby girl. You get on the phone. You've been watching some guys. Men. Men. No women. Men. And not boys. Men. Who you been eyeballing? You give them a call. Hey. Go stand post in my house. Go guard my house. Teach baby girl. And stand post at my house. Guard my house. And the wolf comes, kill the wolf. Those peddlers come, kill them. Metaphysically speaking, I'm not talking physically. The Lord will do that. But I'm talking about spiritually, metaphysically. So you get on the horn. Guys, you've been watching. Men, not boys, men. Guard my house. Feed baby girl. Protect baby girl. What do the men say? Aye, aye, sir. You see? And go. Stand post. Rain, shine, snow, sleet, hail, standing post. The wolf comes, dead wolf. The lion comes, dead lion. Remember, the lion roams around like a lion. Satan roams around like a lion, waiting for whom he may devour. These men are called pastors. But the formula must be right. Servants of Satan? Oh, go ahead, take the mark of the beast. You'll still be saved. Once saved, I was saved. Oh, God is done with Israel. Look, we have our coalitions. Sounds nice, different gospel. Oh, let's go lay on the graves. Soak in the Holy Spirit. Let's take this glitter and call it the Holy Spirit. Different Jesus. Different gospel. Different spirit. You see? But the real... They stand post. Feeding baby girl, protecting baby girl. Wolf comes, kill the wolf. Dead wolf. Bye-bye, wolf. You see? There's a lot of people who have the formula all wrong. And they're in, they're in that state of baby girl, not in the house. And they read passages like verse 15, a beautiful, beautiful passage. That the Lord God, not might bless you, will bless you. Not in a little bit, in all your produce. And, no period. And in all the work of your hands. So that you will surely rejoice. And so, you read that, you're like, well, wait a second. Why don't I have that? Why am I not blessed? Why, do I, why am I depressed? Why do I have anxiety? Why do I go to the... The hospital and the, the doctor gives me all these pills. Why do I take this concoction of pills for, you know, they, it, it, I'm like a zombie. Why do I feel like I want to jump off a bridge? 
The Bible says that I'm going to rejoice and I should have joy, but I don't have joy. Why is it? The formula must be right. I believe in Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Okay. Several questions you have to ask yourself. Number one, is it the real Jesus? Now, if it is the real Jesus, are you yielding to him? You see? That's 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 easy. That that's like you know the two questions only. Is it the real Jesus? And if it is the real Jesus, are you yielding to him? Those are biggies, because remember, there's a million Christs, and only one that has his word above his name. So, is it the real Jesus? And if it is the real Jesus, are you yielding to him? Because this is a very real verse, a very applicable verse. Old Testament blessings and the New Testament blessings in the Old Testament. Very real, very applicable. But whether they apply to you or me, that's the variable. Obedience. You see? To the real Jesus. It's not like, okay, the Bible says I should rejoice, so I'm going to put this fake smile on my face. Remember, we're on the top of the mountain. We look to the right, we see Philippi. We look to the left, we see Corinth. They, they look exactly the same. Everybody's rejoicing. We hit the button on the binos. One isn't good. The rejoicing isn't good. You see, the formula must be right. Now you say, okay, the formula was wrong in Corinth. Yes, the formula was wrong in Corinth. But it, it was turned right again. Separation had to happen, but it was turned right again. How does that happen? Listen to our study through First and Second Corinthians. You'll understand how it happens. But it's hardcore. The vessels that God uses are the vessels that people hate. Old Testament, New Testament. The vessels that God uses are the very ones that people hate inside and outside the church. see remember paul his prison letter to young pastor timothy only luke is with me look at beautiful paul look at acts how people had i don't want to say reverence for paul but respect for their teacher respect for their pastor <laughs> and then only luke is with me what happened? And that's just a short period of time. Think about 2,000 years into the future from that point. A.K.A. today. We see this in verse 16. Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread. Unleavened bread. At the Feast of Weeks and at the Feast of Tabernacles, and they shall appear before the Lord, and they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. You see, an offering to the Lord. Remember our studies through Leviticus, an offering to the Lord? Not empty-handed. Verse 17, Every man shall give as he is able according to the blessings of the Lord your God, which he has given you. You see, it's... It, it, it's not like, look, you know, I'm blessed of the Lord. I'm blessed of the Lord. And, you know, oh, look, I make all this money because I sell drugs. 
I make all this money because I'm a stripper. I make all this money because I'm a gambler. No, that's dirty money. That's filthy lucre. God hasn't given that to you. You got that for yourself. I mean, if that's you. But that's a lot of times what people think. Oh, yeah, God, look, I'm blessed of the Lord. I won in this gambling money. Look, I'm blessed of the Lord. Look at all the money I have. Yeah, I just strip for a living. Look at all this money. Look at my bank account. I'm blessed of the Lord. And I do my online stuff. You know, I'm not, I'm not a prostitute. I just do it online. You see? The wrong formula. The formula must be right. Everything in accordance to the word of God. God blesses. Absolutely. And when you're on the receiving end of God's blessing, you bless him back. Now, yes, there's a monetary aspect, but I'm not even speaking about the monetary aspect. God blesses you. How do we bless him? Obedience is one. To glorify him is another. To praise him, to honor him, to worship him. You see? We see this in verse 18. You shall appoint judges and officers in all your gates, which the Lord your God gives you according to your tribes, and they shall judge the people with just judgment. We're going to see corruption enter the camp. You're going to see corruption in the judges. You're going to see corruption in the people. You're going to see corruption in the kings and the leaders. You're going to see corruption in the, uh, in the Kohanim. You're going to see corruption in the Levites. You're going to see it. We're going to study these things. And it'll break your heart. It'll break your heart. And it's not God's fault. Remember, the Lord is reactionary. The Lord responds to disobedience. The argument can be made, like when we get to Judges, the argument can be made, look, we're, we're just doing what Moses said. I mean, we already looked at uh, Isaiah, but let's go to Isaiah again. Isaiah chapter 1. And in Isaiah 1, verse 11, we, verse 11 reveals that they're obedient to what Moses said. Only the Lord is saying, what's the point of it? To what purpose? How can the Lord even say that? When it implies obedience to what Moses said, that people are giving their sacrifices to the Lord. What does it take for the Lord to say, what's the point of it? When absolutely he knows the point of it. But for the people, what's the point of it? You see? That's deep. That's deep. What's the point? You're just going through the motions. What's the point? In verse 11, for the Lord to say, I've had enough. Which means that the people are doing what Moses said to do. The argument can be made. We're just, we're, look, we're just doing what Moses said. That's it. 
You know what it is? It's religion. Going through the motions. Now, remember the example I gave about Balak and Balak sending the women? You and me, we're in that camp of the obedient. And in obedience, we learn to fear the Lord, trust the Lord, love the Lord. And we make offerings and our hearts, there's purity of heart. We make these offerings to the Lord because it's a matter of the heart. It's a matter of circumcision, my beautiful friend, of heart, male, female, circumcision of heart. You see, when the multitudes, for the Lord to say to the multitudes, what's the point of it? But for Isaiah, the formula was right. For the people, the formula was wrong. In Amos's day, for the people, the formula was wrong. For Amos, the formula was right. You see? They all say they follow the law. But who has ears to hear the law? Let's go back to Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy 16. In the end of verse 18, uh, they shall judge the people with just judgment. We're going to see this corruption enter. You shall not pervert justice. You shall not show partiality or favoritism. You see, so this, these judges, they say, well, this guy's a rich guy. He's a fat cat and I benefit from him. So I'm going to let him get away. But this other guy who did the exact same thing. Oh, you know what? 20 years in prison. You see, corrupt judges. Oh, I'm going to let this lady go scot-free because she's kind of cute. She gave me her phone number and, you know, and she said this and that. And so I'm going to let her go freeze so we can partake in these things. And this other lady who did the exact same thing, she never gave me her phone number. So, you know, 20 years in prison. Corruption. Corruption. And the Lord says, you shall not show partiality, no favoritism. He continues, nor take a bribe, nor take a bribe, for a bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous or perverts the words of the righteous. Now, to the beautiful parents out there, beautiful, beautiful parents, I love you. Be very, very careful with bribing your children. I know it's easy. You know, hey, baby girl, take out the trash. She cops an attitude. You say, okay, look, I'll give you a dollar. I'll give you a couple bucks. Take out the trash. Baby girl does it. You're bribing her. I know it's easy, but you're bribing her. Don't do that. I get it. I understand it. Be very careful. If you employ the tactic of bribery to your children. Because look at what it does. A bribe highlight. If you're a parent, I don't want to lord over you. But if you're a parent, highlight this last part of verse 19. A bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists the words of the righteous or perverts the words of the righteous parents in bribing your children you sow seeds of selfishness 
through the bribe. And through that, the children, they learn wickedness. The parent says, well, I'm teaching my kid obedience. No, you're not. You're teaching your kids to look out for themselves because what's in it for me? What's in it for me? I don't want to take out the trash. But I'll do it for a buck. I'll do it for five bucks. I don't want to clean my room, but I'll do it for five bucks. What's in it for me? The parents say, look, I'm teaching my children obedience. Look how obedient they are. I say, clean the room. They clean the room. I say, take out the trash. They take out the trash. I say, cut the grass. They cut the grass. Look how obedient they are. Oh, I forgot to mention that I'm giving them five bucks. Five bucks a shot. Couple bucks a shot. That's bribery. Very easy. Very easy. People call it, oh, look, I'm such a successful parent. I'm so good at parenting. No, you're good at bribing. But look at what bribing does. It's blinding. Because I want baby girl to see. With eyes to see and ears to hear. But bribery, what it does now. This, we're talking about judges here. But bribery can be applied in all kinds of different you know, areas of life. But I speak to the parents. What the bribe does. It blinds the eyes of the wise and twists or perverts the words of the righteous. Be very careful if you employ this tactic to your kids. Now we get into doctrinal issues. Because you could be a parent, and there's a lot of parents do this, of the Calvinistic and Reformed theory brand. And if you're Calvinist or Reformed, come out of her, my people. Listen to our study through Romans 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. You'll understand more. I love you, but you'll understand more. So baby girl is being raised in the house. Baby girl's, you know, eight years old, nine years old, and you're, you think you're teaching her obedience, but you're bribing her. And she's learned to look out for herself because, you know, no, I'm just going to cop an attitude. You know, I'm told to take out the trash. I'm just going to cop an attitude until I get a couple bucks. I'm going to cop an attitude and, you know, I got to clean my room, but I'm going to cop an attitude and I get a couple bucks. She's look, You're teaching her how to look out for herself. Now, baby girl's 10 years old. She does the altar call. She comes to, she believes in Jesus Christ. She does the altar call. And it's beautiful. She believes in Jesus Christ. Except something happens. She's 10 years old. She received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And then all of a sudden, she continues to grow under the tutelage of her parents who are bribing her, thinking they're teaching her obedience. Hey, baby girl, do this. And I'll give you five bucks. Baby girl, you know, do this. And, you know, you negotiated well, so I'll give you 10 bucks. Baby girl, the whole time looking out for herself. And the seeds of selfishness have grown. They've been, so, they've been sowed from a young age. And now they're growing. They're taking root in her heart. Now baby girl's 20 years old. And she's the most selfish creature on the planet Earth. Blind. Hard heart. No eyes, no ears. Doctrinally speaking, you say, well, you know, once saved, always saved. She did the altar call at 10 years old. She's good to go. But she ain't good to go. You see, she's in trouble. Baby girl's in trouble. 
Why? Because of the handiwork of her parents who didn't yield to the teaching of the millstone or didn't heed to the teaching of the millstone. And baby girl's in trouble. Baby girl's heart went from jello at age 10. And because of the parents, it turned to balsa wood. It turned to maple. It turned to oak. It turned to pine. And now it's a stone at age 20. And she's selfish. Because she learned from her parents to look out for herself. Because her parents wanted to take the easy route. And bribe her. They think they taught her obedience. Look, I said clean the room. She cleaned the room. I also gave her five bucks, but that's beside the point. Look, I told her to take out the trash and she took out the trash. Look, I'm teaching her obedience. And let's, you know, I gave her a couple bucks. That's beside the point. It's not beside the point. You taught her how to be selfish. You, parent, have sown the seeds of wickedness in baby girl. And you, parent, will give an account to the Lord. You see? It's hardcore. I know it's hardcore. But there's no other way to live. And I don't say this, if you're a parent, I don't say this to hurt you. I say it because I love you. But remember, baby girl, she's on loan. She's on loan. Blessed of the Lord to have a child, raise a child, to teach them in the way he or she should go. At one point, you're going to have to let go. Baby girl's going to live her life. Whether or not she honors the Lord, yes, that's between her and the Lord. But parents have a major role to play. Don't take the easy road. Oh, I'll just bribe and think I'm teaching obedience. doesn't work that way. For some it does, but in the long run, it doesn't work. They think it works, but no, it doesn't. That's what a bribe does. A bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists or perverts the words of the righteous. You see? And I want baby girl to have a heart of jello at all ages of beautiful baby girl's life. A beautiful heart of the softest jello. Not pine, not oak, not balsa, definitely not stone. Beautiful, beautiful, soft jello for all the days of baby girl's life. And that's what the Lord wants. Parents, you're up. <laughs> you say, wait a second, I'm a parent and I don't want to do that. Well, you should have thought about that, you know. Babies just don't appear at the doorstep. Not, no, no stork. They don't just appear at the doorstep. But, you know, it, it, it takes a little something, something, you know what I'm saying? They don't just appear. You should have thought about that. That's what bribing does. And a lot of parents do. And I get it. I get it. I understand it. Oh, but I need my beauty rest. I got to sleep for my 10 hours a night. I got to sleep for my, you know, 8 hours a night. That's too much. In my opinion, you know, in my opinion, you know, a couple hours here, a couple hours there, plenty. If you're a parent, 
And I don't want to lord over you. If you're willing, highlight this last part of verse 19. A bribe blinds the eyes of the wise and twists or perverts the words of the righteous. And remember that as you raise children. Raise your son, raise your daughter, raise your sons, raise your daughters. You see? In verse 20, you shall follow what is altogether just that you may live and inherit the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You see? Not to allow this corruption. Corruption is going to come. And we're going to see how this corruption happens. And we're going to see the Lord respond to the corruption. And we're going to know why the Lord responds in the way he does. Why? Because of this study through the Torah. You're going to see the Lord just does what he says. It's not like a surprise. Even though people are surprised. I mean, look at in Jeremiah's day, the, 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 the Israel, you know, Judah was like, you know, oh, we're, Jeremiah, what are you talking about? You know, we're the elect, we're God's people. But then Jeremiah's like, you know, they, they called him the weeping, lonely prophet. Why? Because he was lonely. Nobody was with him. And he was weeping. And we're going to see like, wow, Israel, Judah has forgotten. Not Jeremiah. Jeremiah is forgotten by the people. Not by the Lord. You see? That's the, for the formula must be right, my beautiful friend. I love you. But the formula must be right. I don't want to say, well, you know, if you're a bad parent, if you're, you know, if you're depressed, if you're this, if you're that. It's dangerous if you're in that state and you're under a false Christ. It is dangerous for you. And I want you nice and safe. And that only comes from the real Christ. You see? And so we see this in verse 21. You shall not plant for yourself any, if you shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image or translates as like an Asherah pole. Think of like a totem pole. You know, like a totem pole, it's like it's idolatry. There's this astral pole. And we're going to see these things. That's what, You shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image. And we're going to see Israel. What are they doing? They're building these poles of Asherah. He says, near the altar which, which you build for yourself to the Lord your God. Now, something, we're going to see the, the you know, I'm doing my air quotes, but the, the lawyers come out. You know, you ever talk to a lawyer? You know, they, they, they're, they're, a squirrely bunch of people, a slippery bunch of people. Well, you know, my client is innocent because the law says X, Y, Z. But my client, you know, your honor, you know, they speak, you know, your honor, my client didn't do this because the law states this. But my client was behaving in a manner which reflects not X, Y, Z, but one, two, three. Therefore, Pursuant to this law and this law and this law and pursuant to this and this and this statute, my client is innocent. And they make strong arguments. And it might stand up to a, uh, an unjust judge, a corrupted judge. But there's an ultimate judge. His name is Jesus Christ. He knows the formula. He is the formula. <laughs> you see? 
And we're going to see like, these excuses being made. Well, you know, we're going to build the Asherah pole. But look, Moses says in Deuteronomy chapter 16, verse 21, that not to build this near the altar. So therefore, we're going to put it over here on this mountaintop. Therefore, we're going to put it over here on this hillside. We're not going to put it near the altar because Moses says don't do that. So look, we're following what Moses says. We're just doing what Moses says. Therefore, we are obedient. No, therefore, you are disobedient because it is also written, you shall have no other gods. It is also written. You see? Like little lawyers, little sneaky, cheesy lawyers. Well, the you know, the Bible says here, the Torah says here, the Pentateuch, it says here in the Torah. It says here in the Torah, in verse 21, chapter 16, you shall not plant for yourself any tree as a wooden image near the altar. So therefore, we'll do it not near the altar, and it is okay. But don't forget, it is also written, you shall have, have no other gods. You see? Sometimes we do that as Christians. We, we turn into those sneaky lawyers. Sneaky, squirrely, slippery lawyers. Well, the Bible says that, you know, I shouldn't do this, I can't do this, so I'm just going to wiggle around and do this, and I'll still be able to achieve this and get that and get that. You're looking out for yourself. That's not meekness. You see? I wonder who taught you that. Who taught you selfishness? I wonder if your parents bribed you as a child. I wonder. I'm not, no accusation. I just wonder. But these are things I think about when I see the behavior. I see a wicked guy, a wicked gal. And then the gears in my head start turning. Where did they learn this? Where did this guy learn to be so selfish? Always looking out for himself. Where did this lady turn? How did she how did she turn out to be so selfish? Always looking out for herself. Sometimes I look at the pastors. Sometimes I look at the elders. But I also look at the parents. I look at the fruit. Nasty, nasty fruit most of the time. Among pastors, among parents. Oh, this pastor says, go lay in the grave and soak in the Holy Spirit. This other pastor says, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. Wrong formula. Okay, you know, my little spiritual checklist. This is how I know this gal is the most selfish creature on the planet Earth. Where did she learn that? How did she learn that? Look, she has her study Bible under her arm. She speaks Christianese. But she's the most selfish creature on the planet Earth. Where did she learn that? Okay, so do my little checklist, okay? Got the study Bible, take the mark of the beast, you'll still be saved. That's my little wrong column. Okay, little check mark in the wrong column. Wrong. Meet the parents, okay? Hi, Mr. Whatever, Mrs. Whatever, nice to meet you. They also got their study Bibles. Okay, there's another one. Not looking good for baby girl. My little checklist, okay? Check here, check here. Then I see the fruit in the home. Okay, another check on the bad list, on the bad side. Then I talk to the parents. Oh, yeah, you, 
it when baby girl was little. Oh, yeah, she would give us the biggest attitude. So, you know what? I just gave her a cookie. I just said, you know, take out the trash. She copped a little attitude. Here, I'll give you a cookie. Ha, 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 They laugh about it. Ha, 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 ha. I gave her a brownie. I gave her, you know, a, a cupcake. Ha, 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 ha. I kept doing that. You know, I told her to clean her room. I gave her some cupcakes. Ha, 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 ha. They laugh about it. Meanwhile, in doing my little mental checklist, every, all these checks on the bad side. Boom, 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 boom. Wow, baby girl's in trouble. Oh my goodness, baby girl's in trouble. Go home. My face before the Lord. Praying for baby girl. Oh, baby girl. Beautiful, beautiful baby girl. What happened? Lord, soften her heart. I don't want it to be pine. I don't want it to be maple. I don't want it to be balsa. I want it to be jello, Lord. You see, parents, teach your children well. Oh, I don't want to sacrifice. I got to watch my movies. I got to sleep. I got to look. Babies don't show up at the doorstep. You should have thought about that. You see? Don't forget all the... It is also written. Sometimes we make these little loopholes. We try to create all these little loopholes in the Bible. Well, the Bible... And we, we study the Bible with this mindset. Oh, what's in it for me? Oh, the Bible says I'll be blessed here. So I'm going to do this and I'll be blessed. Look, I'm going to do this and I'll be blessed. Look, the Bible says here, look. Confirmation. The Bible says here, look. They, they read uh, uh, Deuteronomy 16, verse 15. The Lord God will bless you in all your work and all your... Uh, the Lord the Lord your God will bless you in all your produce and in all your work of your hands so that you will surely rejoice. Look, confirmation, confirmation, confirmation. Nope. I mean, you could say confirmation in one sense. But not in the kind of confirmation you want. You see, the Lord chastises those whom he loves. He disciplines those whom he loves. You see, don't read the Bible or study the Bible looking for the little loopholes. Oh, what's in it for me? What's in it for me? What's in it for me? Oh, look, you know, confirmation. I'm going to be blessed. Okay, therefore, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do X, Y, Z without realizing who was knocking at the door. Who was knocking at the door? Was it a wolf? Oh, I got the finest crack for you, baby girl. Oh, baby girl, look, you know, the wolf comes all handsome and, you know, chiseled and looks like this and looks like that. And baby girl, you know, sex number one, sex number two, sex number three. And baby girl just feels like dirt. You see? That's what happens. I don't mean to be graphic and say, but it happens. That's what's happening. You see? Seduction. It's very wicked, very wicked, very wicked. And it's not just, you know, oh, seduction so that you can have a bad day. Oh, it's seduction so that you can feel bad. No, it's seduction because Satan wants to kill you. Not punch you in the face. Straight up stab you in the heart. 
and then at the same time drag you to hell. That that that's it. That's I don't make the rules. That's how it is. It's very real. Physically, literally, and spiritually. It's very real. In all cases, the formula must be right. In verse 22, in closing, you shall not set up a sacred pillar which the Lord your God hates. You see? These are things that are going to happen. They're going to set up the poles, the ashra pole, and the, the, you know, taking the loopholes, the, 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 the lawyers looking for the loopholes. Okay, so the Moses says we shouldn't do it near the altar, so we're going to do it over here. But it is also written, you shall have no other gods. On top of that, it is also written, the Lord hates. You see? It's so powerful. Old Testament, New Testament. The Lord has consecrated a people. When the majority goes crazy, there's an Isaiah. When the majority goes crazy, there's a Jeremiah, a Hannah, a Ruth, an Esther. When the world goes crazy, there's a Paul. There's a Priscilla. There's an Achilla. There's a Peter. When the world goes crazy, there's you, my beautiful friend. To the beautiful people of the way, a remnant of these last days. God bless you. I love you.